All right, our first guest graduated from UCLA and hit the ground running, performing and studying at Groundling Theater and Playhouse West while working as a waiter. He'd eventually go on to appear in nearly 140 productions spanning every genre, as well as plenty of commercials, including the famous Got Milk campaign. But it all began with the role of Roach in the film that brings us together today, The People Under the Stairs. Thankfully, he has regained his ability to speak since then, and we're so honored that you've taken the time to talk to us. Thank you very much, Sean Whalen. How's it going, guys? let's get right into it you moved from one coast to the other to study at ucla and pursue acting uh great choice at what age was the interest in performing sparked and was there anything in particular that inspired you to make that choice i think it was in fifth grade well when i was a young when i was younger i used to entertain my uh, brothers and sisters in my kitchen so i could get out of doing dishes. <laughs> so uh, the more I kept them entertained, the more they didn't realize that I wasn't helping. So uh, when they got wind of that, I thought, well, I need a new audience. So uh, I, I kept doing kind of performing stuff. And then in fifth grade, I did, I starred in and uh, directed a play of Rumpelstiltskin and where I played Rumpelstiltskin. I remember coming out for the curtain call and the whole school was there and they went nuts and I thought, wow, this was fun to do. And people really liked it and made them happy. And that's when I was kind of like, all right, I'm kind of into this. Even though I kind of, I didn't follow through doing too much. Well, I did some performing stuff and talent show stuff in my uh, sixth, seventh and eighth grade. But then I really hit the ground running in high school and really got into the theater department there and, and kicked butt there. That's, uh, that's like the origin of, of every actor. Like, I got into acting because I didn't want to do the dishes. <laughs> I didn't want to end up doing the dishes. Like, well, yeah. No, for me, it was when he said he did the performance in front of the school and they all went nuts. And I'm like, well, well yeah, that's what that I do. Like, that solidified, <laughs> that's solidified it. That's solidified it for sure. It's true story, man. <laughs> Oh, it's just ironic because doing the dishes is so much easier than than acting at the end of the day. <laughs> you, don't, you don't need a response from the audience for the dishes. They're either yeah. done or they're not. <laughs> All right. I know uh, I, I want to try to to get a, a few of these out because you've worked on so many interesting productions and you've been so many memorable characters over the years. Right. Uh, before we got into People Under the Stairs, I just wanted to kind of gloss over some of the uh, some of the projects that you were in that were of like particular interest to us. The first one being was um, uh, uh, Jury Duty, a movie that stayed in my VCR for like three years straight. That was my uh, just let it rewind, started over the night before. And it was my go to sleep film for like the longest time. Wow. You're out of order. <laughs> um, <laughs> but when you're tasked with playing a character like that, you played uh, Carl Wayne Bishop. And you're like, you're supposed to be somebody that's perceived as like depraved and, and just bad, but you're, you're in a comedy. It's on a backdrop of a comedy. So how do you, how do you approach a character like that without working against the energy of the film? Uh, because it is a comedy. The whole thing is taken on a lighter level, right? So the character, even though I'm supposed to be depraved, was mainly about, you know, my facial expressions, my, uh, the look I was giving to Polly, I didn't go deep into depraved. You know what I mean? Yeah. I just wanted to keep it simple and keep it uh, in the, in the tone of, you know, freaking him out, giving him facial expressions. I, I guess that's the easiest way. You, you have to know the movie you're in, you know? Well, yeah. And it's just if I would have gone deep and depraved, I would have been in the wrong movie. 
Do you know what oh, I mean? Yeah. Yes. Now, speaking of knowing the movie in, you're in. Also in 1995, you played Bone in Waterworld. And we've heard various stories about the ish, some issues alleged that have plagued the production said uh, primarily on water, as we know, and how, extra- how extravagant the measures were taken to produce the film. What was the production like from your perspective? And is there anything you can tell us about that that we may not know? You know, all that stuff happened, uh, you know, I'm not around my the part was a very small part on a jet ski. I went there in Hawaii. They taught me how to jet ski for 10 minutes. And then they said, well, we have you for two hours. You know, you can practice. (laughs) Practice. Yeah, I'll practice. And I drove around and it was crazy and went around and, you know, just played on my jet ski and then kind of got dressed in. It was a very small one scene thing. Me and another guy, they jumped up and Kevin Costner got me. So all that stuff was, you know, in the newspapers, but I didn't encounter any of it. I didn't encounter any problems, any craziness. It was just a big production that was on the water. So that that was it. And since I didn't even go out into the deep water to shoot anything, we were just by the shore with our jet skis, our scene, you know. And they jumped Absolutely. off the water. So, so all the controversy and production and all that stuff, I think you would have had to have been there. And I think you had to have been at a much higher level for yeah. a long time to notice, you know, those things, if that makes sense. You know, it makes perfect sense. But one thing I think you just brought up that most people don't understand when people say they want to be an actor, they don't understand certain perks with, that comes with being an actor. And what I just heard was through that negative all the negative press he's like i don't know what they experienced i showed up they taught me how to jet ski and they said you want to take them for a bit and then i did my part i was there with kevin and i left you're living the life see they don't understand the perks of what we do yeah i got to bring my ex-wife and i went to hawaii for you know several days and uh yeah yeah, i came in at night they sprayed me down with oil and stuff like that so i mean i don't know if you're familiar with part that I'm that I was most people don't even know the part because it was so small and it got cut out of the regular movie but it was put back in mm-hmm. when they did it on ABC and the videos so well and, and you you're in the position where you can appreciate both sides of of being just an actor that comes on and you've also written and directed yourself so you know you know you can have an idea of what what's going on 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 the other side and it just speaks to how well the uh, the team at the top of a production can like mitigate issues into solutions before they trickle down and start affecting the uh, the energy on the set. Yeah. In 1996, uh, you were in uh, Twister. You were Alan Sanders, and it's crazy the the people that you're in this band with. Um, two amazing actors no longer with us. There's uh, Philip Seymour Hoffman and Bill Paxton, like colossal talents. Yeah. Um, were there any, uh, I mean, that that had to be just a, an exhilarating production in the time, like before special effects were really totally taking over. I'm sure a lot of it was practical. And But, you know, in the van with this this witty dialogue and, and an adventure setting uh, with these amazing actors, were there any memories that you can recall? Uh, and I've had so many fun times on that movie. Uh Alan Ruck and I had a really nice time. You know, we were driving around with the maps and, you know, I remember coming in and I was like, oh, what is our relationship? What's our depth? You know, me and Alan and, you know, what, what could our relationship be? You know, I've written some notes and all this stuff. And he was just like, 
how about Alan and Sean in a truck? Let's just keep it simple. And I was like, what do you mean? He goes, dude, this is about the tornadoes. This isn't about us. This is the, you know, we're the Goonies just staring up in the sky. You yeah. know? And I was like, oh man, but I actually, you know, did a lot of the same work that I did. The, the work that I put in, I did not change, you know, and uh, it, it was great. It was great. We had a, a really fun time doing that. Um, I remember another time when we were bored <clears throat> at the end of the shoot, we were doing the part. Gosh, we were getting ready. It was the drive in, I guess. And we were waiting to do the outside the drive in. We were just in the dark and we had gotten a lot of per diem and we're sleeping during the day. So we all had a bunch of cash, you know, mm -hmm. that we weren't spending. So we started just betting on little games, you know taking pebbles and throwing them against the pole and seeing if that worked or uh, pitching dimes and quarters and see if they could fit into this little cup or, you know, just doing tons of things, little games and bets. And then finally, Philip Seymour Hoffman and Todd Field, they grow, they knew I was like kind of a conservative and, you know, not conservative, but not just wild, you know? Uh, and they said, I bet you Sean Whalen wouldn't jump on that van and dance naked for 30 seconds. And I was like, yeah, you know, I wouldn't. They go, well, what about this? And they all started piling in money and it kept coming, and coming and coming and coming. And then it was like, like $1,100. And uh, I was like, fuck it. I'll do it. You know, yeah. so, uh, I jumped up on a van and danced naked in front of the crew and stuff. They didn't know, you know, I, they, the van was kind of in behind where they were shooting, jumped up, started dancing. And, uh, you know, I had to do it for 30 seconds. And that had to be the longest 30 seconds. Oh, yeah. But it was great, you know, and I made the cash and, you know, it was really fun. There's a I, I thought it was crazy that um, you, you know, People Under the Stairs, your first film. I don't know if you if you knew, but on the Twister ride in Orlando, when it was uh, playing, uh, People Under the Stairs is the film that's playing yes, on the drive I heard screen. that. I heard that. I never. I someone finally sent me a YouTube video of the entire ride. So that's awesome. Yeah, it's it's just a really neat connection the way it draws back like that. I just wanted to bring this back for all the kids out there that are listening in class or that want to be actors. Jet skis, <laughs> Kevin Costner being sprayed down with oil per diem. $1,100. And it brings me, let's fast forward a little bit. So in 2009 to 2010, you played, because we just went from iconic film, we have to go to iconic television. You played Frogert in season five and season six premiere episodes yes. of the groundbreaking television series Lost with such intricate and interweaving storylines hinged on mystery. What was it like as that? What was it like as an actor coming into that world at the height of its popularity? Uh, it was crazy because I was a fan. I was a fan and was watching the episode where they were all in this boat and then the island disappears. Jeremy Davies from was in Twister and he was playing one of the young, the young doctor with a little black tie. I forget the name of his character, but they're in the boat watching the island. The island disappears. And I remember that was the end of the season. And I thought, man, this is crazy. And then I got the phone call that I was going to be in it. And six weeks later, I'm in the boat. <laughs> and, that's and surreal it was surreal because i knew jeremy we were talking having a great time um and then when we got in that boat you know i was like he became that character i was in the boat and i thought it's the first time i felt like i crawled into the tv 
you know? Yeah. Especially what a great, that was crazy nuts. And then seeing the beach and then just Josh Holloway and the whole cast was so cool. And I'm sure you went, went coming, coming into it, uh, as a viewer, I'm sure you, you went into it with, uh, your own theories of what was going on and where it was leading to like, was that, it was always so confusing. You know what I mean? (laughs) I I never knew, you know, I definitely never knew what was going on. You know, like, Oh, it was purgatory. No, it wasn't like when it ended, people didn't either people didn't understand it or they didn't like it. But uh, (laughs) most people didn't understand it. They go, I knew it was purgatory. That's not what it was. That's not what happened. It was very complicated. The ending actually. Um, Yeah. They 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 went for the emotional, they went for the emotional ending as opposed to the, you know, answering all the questions. Explanatory. They took a a big risk in doing something so nuanced that relied on, uh, after such a big show, to end it with something that that trusted the audience. Oh, like like Sopranos. Um, Now, one thing I did want to bring up from what you just said here, like most people, yeah, they can act on a show that becomes popular, but you have brought a unique perspective. You were a fan of a show and then like a, a big fan of this, I, that to me, I liken that to me being able to play on the office. But I want to ask you, you being a fan of Always Sunny in Philadelphia, what would it be like you as a writer for them to say, hey, come be on, come write on the show? Because I, I got a feeling we're going to be segueing into that. Tell me how that feel. <laughs> oh, thank you. Thank you. Yeah. So, Sean, my 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 favorite uh, show of all time is Always Sunny in Philadelphia. And I would argue that it is the best show on television in the history of television. Okay. And they'll only get better every year. Um, so to uh, every time we have the opportunity to speak to somebody that has even stepped on that set for a minute, I, I just want to know what your experience was like, uh, if there's any stories that you could share and, uh, and the fact that you were a part of like the already eccentric, uh, McPoyle family. McPoyle family, just, yeah. Well, just they, uh, you know, I was told that I, they liked me for the role, um, and that they were big fans. But then when I got there, they were like, yeah, it's cause you look like Ryan. <laughs> <laughs> so they they wanted to find somebody who looked like him uh but it was crazy because all so many characters were there you know it was just yeah. it was crazy yeah, did, did you i mean was there ever a moment where you looked around and thought about all of like like batman returns was one of your first films after people under the stairs and and now you're back with danny devito after over two decades and like again that's a huge huge movie and i never worked with danny devito you see what i mean you you guys are so close together on imdb yeah (laughs) and then you know what people don't realize you know they got to look at the scenes that we're in Mm -hmm. see who we're around and then you know who we, you know, I never saw Michelle Pfeiffer. I never saw Michael Keaton, never saw Danny DeVito. I worked with Michael Goff, who was Alfred. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, I didn't see Christopher Walken, but do you know what I mean? Like people don't understand that it's not a play. Right. Exactly. Yeah. I, I And even, even somebody like myself or us, that we, we, we do understand the fact that there are schedules and if, and there's no reason to, for, you know, two actors to ever see each other if their scenes yeah. are never go or the location even isn't going to be the same. But even knowing that it's still good, my mind still sometimes goes back to that old mentality of like before you knew better, like, like, hey, we're making a picture, kids. And everybody just hangs out on the studio for three yeah, weeks, yeah, yeah. four weeks or whatever. 
To address that, though, I did see Danny DeVito and we actually did talk that I have a picture with him and I, we were talking about Batman Returns and I said, oh, I was the paper boy. And then he told me some great, crazy story about him being uh, pecked at by the penguins or something. They were like, they're safe. They're safe. And he's like, you sure? And they're like, yeah. And then they all started pecking him and he was like, what the hell's going on? He told me a great story. But what was really cool was seeing the three guys work together Glenn and Rob and Charlie, the way they would collaborate was so cool. That's, that's really what makes that show so amazing is there. Uh, and I, and I saw in some of their commentaries that it, it could easily be perceived as improvisational and they are trying things, but from what yeah, they, they said, it's, yeah. it's scripted, but yeah. They throw yeah, they just have, stuff, you know, the way they can talk over each other and just um, uh, make every escalate every conversation like it just keeps like a roller coaster and, and there's no lulls in it. It's just they got. Yeah, they have such good chemistry. Did uh, did Guillermo del Toro uh, fan out to you at all over yes. people under the so stairs? I knew, really, I knew. Yes. That was I was taking a swing on that one. I, I had a feeling it was going to. Uh, yeah, I, I didn't know if you knew that he was a fan. But I, you know, so I went up to him and I said, oh, I just want to let you know. And he goes, I know who you are. And I go, what? He goes, Roach. <laughs> I, said, I said, oh, my gosh. He goes, yes, I love Roach. I love people. <laughs> I'm a huge fan. And I said, listen, there's a 25th anniversary edition or whatever. I'd love to send you a DVD. He goes, no, 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 no. And I said, why? And he goes, I'll buy it myself. And I said, are you sure? I said, you know, I'd love to send it to him. And he went, no, 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 no. Residuals. <laughs> oh, I could see it, and, and 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 to be in that Pappy McPoyle getup had to even add to that that exchange. Yeah, and then I got now, to sit next to the the my the sister, the girl with the tongue. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. I remember. He's, yeah, I remember. I forget her name as well, but she was so cool. We just had a great time. She's English. Oh, really? Yeah. I know that uh, her character does what she looks like in real life, absolutely zero justice, which is another great thing about that show is while most television is making people prettier, they're like making it a point to <laughs> just be as uh, unattractive as possible. Exactly. Now, 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 we did read that you've appeared in every genre of film with the exception of Westerns, but... In 2019, you starred in Rob Zombie's 3, From Hell, and we think that counts as a Western, loosely. No, 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 hold on now, 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 now. There's a flip side of that coin. There's a flip side of that coin. Now, you, <laughs> you actually worked with Zombie 10. Okay, now, you actually worked with Zombie 10 years prior on the sequel of his Halloween films. Now, he manages to create studio productions that retain an unpolished rawness to them, and you've worked with so many great directors. We're curious, how did you compare Zombie's approach to other filmmakers, and do you really think that this was a Western film? Well, we know that. <laughs> uh, I do not think it was a recent film. I think it was a, you know, exploitation movie and a road trip type movie. Uh, okay. Western, I mean, okay. you know, I mean, like, full on, like, period. The sound ain't big enough for the two of us. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Unforgiven, that kind of thing, right? High name. Yeah. Um, <laughs> no, Rob reminded me a lot of Wes. I know we're going to talk about Wes, but, but you know, uh, very mellow, very sweet, uh, very well educated film person you know uh he knew all about all types of movies and he's just so mellow so chill it was great you know he's so great to work with it seems like most artists that that have the the other side of their story is is screaming on a stage that, that something about getting those uh 
uh, getting that aggression out makes them on off the stage some of the most chill and and well balanced people. Yeah, very much. So. He was very very relaxed, and when we did three from hell, actually. I kind of had an approach to the character that he wasn't really expecting. I did one scene with him and uh, one scene um, with him and Sherry, with me and Sherry, sorry. And then afterwards, uh, he was like, man, I kind of like what you're doing. The, the lines I have don't really work with this character. So I, let me, let me, let's, let's work on something. So he, Sherry and I went and, uh, worked on a scene we kind of wrote that whole second half i don't know if you guys saw it did you guys see three from oh, yeah. Him? yeah that whole grape soda thing mm. that's all stuff that we came up with on the day we just oh, that's up awesome. came up with the whole thing the whole soda thing the whole you know the beginning middle and end of that second scene was all written by us three that's so cool uh, yeah that, i mean yeah. to be a bit it must be great as an actor to work with a director like that who is uh, who is calm and collected enough to be able to switch gears and and you know let something evolve uh, organically like that into something better than what was written. I think a lot of actors don't get credit for that. Uh, not just improvisation, but like you just said, those are things. Let's just say the common fan goes to the film and they hear, they see the line, they see the film, they're like, "Oh, that's a great." The writer knew what he was doing to direct. Like, no, the actors came up with this. Their talent, they can, yeah. they know what they're doing too. Here sometimes, you know, hey. All right. Let's talk about why we are here. Ladies and gentlemen, the people under the stairs. Now, Mr. Roach, you're all 26 years old, completely new to the world of feature films. And Wes Craven is directing you first. Can you tell us about how you were cast for the role of Roach and what it was like portraying a teenager that was written as 10 years actually younger than you? Well, the the audition um, came in. I had just done comedy like people go, oh, how did you get in a hurry? You, you get in by the audition that you're sent. You know what I mean? We're looking for the romanticized story of what uh, I was called, uh, you know, I had to, something appeared to me. But yeah, that, that's more often than not is the answer. No, it, it's like, it, it, like, you know, I did, I had just done a comedy, you know, with Cloris Leachman on a TV show. Mrs. Whitman to you. And a couple weeks later, I got this. You see this dorsal fin? I'm the assistant manager. And then I did a, like a guest star on a little, uh, TV movie, and then this was the next one that came in. That's it, you're fired, get out of my store. So I looked at it and I thought, oh, I just had to crawl around the floor and all this stuff. But then I went to my coach and we talked about how he just has to be uh, fun and think what he's doing is fun, don't overthink it. He is doing heroic things, but he doesn't know he's heroic. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. He's just having fun. That's all that that's that's what makes him heroic, right? Because he doesn't know what he's doing. He's just playing around. So um, but we did have to have we did I did have to do the death scene. I mean, it was funny. A lot of my friends were uh, finished graduate school and they were like going to jobs, uh, interviews with their suits. And they're like, oh, I just have to sit there with my suit and my tie and do all this stuff. And they're like, I go, yeah, well, I just went in an interview shirtless crawling around West Craven's floor and hiding behind <laughs> chairs and poking out behind his, you know, uh, furniture, uh, crying and laughing. So, and, but it was cool though. Within the hour, I got the phone call. What, one thing I wanted to ask now, this is a Wes Craven said, and in remembrance of him, um, a lot of the things we've uncovered about this film is that a lot of people and the actors cast members said, this is one of the most fun sets they were able, able, able to work on. So what I want to ask you, uh, what was, what was it like to be on a Wes Craven set and remembers him? And was it really as fun as they say? 
Oh yeah. I and mean, it was super relaxed. Uh, Wes, Je- Wes just wanted to make everything relaxing. He wanted to take the acting seriously. He's just so, so chill and nice and, per- you know, paternal and uh, nurturing. Mm-hmm. Um, so that made everyone feel good. And that made everyone want to do their best for him. Right. So, yeah, yeah I had a good time. Now, I never, I worked with Jan a little bit. I worked with Brandon a lot. Um, never worked with Kelly. Me and AJ Langer and Brandon, you know, would hang out and they were like kids, kids. But, you know, we had fun talking and stuff like that. And you get more childlike when you're hanging around an 11-year-old kid, right? Yeah. So me and Brandon did that. But yeah, it was really, really fun. And, and I didn't get to... So in terms of fun with other adults and stuff like that, I didn't get to do that. But you know, my, the makeup guys were really fun. The makeup lady was really fun. It, 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 Greg Nicotero, you know, it, it was it was a blast. It was a blast to be able to have such safety. Um, my favorite story is uh, so I had a prosthetic tongue. Did my famous scene where I do the show the tongue, and yes. I put it in, and I did the shot right. And then right after that, they did a shot where they burst in and they shoot, you know, uh, they, he shoots me as I dive into the, uh, into the wall. Right. Mm -hmm. Well, he actually had a big, you know, explosion gun, you know, a sound, you know, it was a big gun. Uh, and he came in, bust in and they did it in real time. So he bust in, I dove through the thing They had a long, you know, boom. And when it ended, I was like, oh, man, Wes, I dove in there really quick. It must have gone really well. And he said, uh, let's uh, let's look at this. And so he brought me over. I was looking at the thing and and you heard me go, oh, shit. And then I dove and then the explosion <laughs> went off. You can't do that. You can't talk. And I was like, oh, man, I, did, I didn't even know I did it. I didn't. Even know. So what I decided was to take that prosthetic tongue, put it in my mouth. And then I just talked the way I wanted to talk the rest of the movie. And I oh, never understand me because of that. That um the prosthetic tongue, there that's that that part was one of my like more so than any other moment in the movie, that moment like made me shriek back. Like, oh man, that there was just unsettling to see with that reveal yeah. when you open your mouth. How was that um like what was that process like having that? Uh, that tongue and like what do you remember what was used or or how that effect was created especially for that reveal shot I don't I I just remember I mean I think I did stick my tongue into some uh some you know I forget what it was like a, a gooey you know um mold thing and then I pulled it out and then they created it uh they just uh, Greg Nicotero they they created it was like a plat it was like uh yeah I, I don't know the material but I just slipped it on, you know. Oh, did it get uncomfortable or like? No, I mean, it made like? it easier for me. I got used to it. I it just, when I, it was just like putting on, you know, the fingers and the makeup. It was just part of Roach, you know? <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, it looked great. How does it feel to be such an integral part of a film that is still so crucial and, and talked about and, and, and cult followed thir- three decades later? Yeah, it's funny because I just met a guy that works in horror. He works in Kevin Williamson's production and he had never heard of it. So it's, it's interesting. It's, it's really a cult in that way. You know what I mean? Yeah. Mainstream people usually don't know it, you know, 
I think you have to be into horror to really know it because, you know, most people from West, they know Scream and Freddy, right? Mm -hmm. But the people who love it, love it, you know, just like Rocky Horror Picture Show or something like that. You know, they, they really love it. Um, the fans really love it. People, um, love Roach. A lot of people say that they cried. I did Kenan Thompson's show. If you look at his Instagram, I don't know if you guys want to find it, uh, from back in February or whatever. He, I gave him a sweatshirt. He loved Roach. He said it was the first <laughs> he ever cried in a horror movie. Nice. Um, so, uh, when Roach died, um, yeah, it's it's just interesting how much people actually really dig it. Keenan Thompson is notorious for not being able to keep a straight face, so I'd like to believe now that when he's when he's trying with all his might to to keep the smirk off his face, he's going back to that first childhood uh, misery of watching Roach. Roach die. Yeah, you're on his mind every every Saturday night. Yeah, yeah I mean, it, it's it's weird to know that so many people love it and see it. You know what I mean? You just yeah. don't know. Like I, when I didn't really know, so I didn't know, right? Until Facebook came along, and all of a sudden, I started getting like friend requests, friend requests, friend requests, tons and tons and tons and tons. And my friend was like, "This is your fans," and I was like, "Fans? What are you talking about?" And yeah. I just went accept, 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 and just accepted every. And that's what it was. People started going, "Oh man, do you have any photos of Roach? Do you have any? You know." I mean, he quickly made a business page two days later. That was great. Started doing conventions and everything. So, I might be speaking from my own personal bias with my history with Wes Craven, as I grew up on Nightmare on Elm Street, Freddy Krueger, and um, but I feel like everybody, like I feel like there had to be a certain level of excitement or at least confidence going into the production that this was going to be something uh because Wes Craven had already established himself as as with Nightmare on Elm Street Last House on the Left uh Hills Have Eyes yes. Yes. so like you weren't just working on some rando's horror film like but the, I wasn't into horror mm, okay, okay so, so there I didn't know who he was I had no idea who he was I knew okay, when they said Freddy well when they said he created Freddy Krueger sure and I had heard the name uh, that's not fair to say I didn't know who he was of course I had heard the name but I didn't know yeah. his work besides Fred, you know, that's mm-hmm. what, I, that's what's so funny is people are like, Oh, you're so into horror. No, I mean, I got a job in horror. Right. <laughs> so I just came off this comedy thing. Y'all keep talking about this horror. I'm funny. Damn it. Yeah. Every time I, escape, uh, I prefer comedy in. to anything. You know what I mean? Do so it. I'm yes. not trying to underplay him. It's just, that's not, I was more into comedies, you know? And I so told him getting to know him and getting to know the horror genre and stuff like that, then it, that changed, you know? It's it's crazy when he he reminded me that I didn't even I I didn't you did such a good job and I didn't know it was you but we do these th- this thing called connections on our show so I was telling him like wait a minute he's famous for Roach and he's also famous for the milk commercial where he doesn't speak you might be the most <laughs> famous non speaking actor That's, in the world yeah, but people thought for a while <laughs> a lot of people thought that for a while so uh, so. Beneath Us All, Scream, Bloody Murder are two that you definitely confirmed to look out for. What about the yeah, first Beneath Us All is one of the favorite roles I've ever done. It's a, I worked really hard on it. It's a lead role. Jan's in it. Um, oh, nice. it's, a, it's a very dark character. Do you guys share uh, do, uh, share any scenes in the film? Or? A little bit. A little bit. Don't okay, want to cool. Not a lot. In the span of your career, all the characters you've played, is there a particular project or character that you feel like um, didn't get the attention that uh, that it deserved that you want more people to know about? 
Ah, gosh. I did a I did a really cool, creepy character in a movie called Street Level. Um, it was a, a serial killer guy. That movie didn't get a lot of attention, but that was a really cool. I worked hard on that part, and it was really creepy. Nice, nice. I will definitely check that out. Well, yeah, yeah. That's that's a shame. Like so, uh, the way it doesn't always. The... Yeah, sometimes it doesn't line up, right? Yeah, you and some of the best performances go underrated. Very true. Like, uh, street level. What? When did that come out? I think like four or five years ago. I think okay. you can find it on Netflix. Yeah. All right. All right. Awesome. There is one movie you're locked in a room for one year. What? What? Uh, what movie would you take if you can only watch it for one year? Locked in a room. Good lord, that's so hard. I mean, it would definitely be a comedy. Um, gosh, I mean, uh, do people have an easy time with this question? No, <laughs> no, because no, no, no. <laughs> they, they, they don't know whether to be hippie, cliche, they don't know how to be dark. Well, I'm, I mean, I'm gonna say, you know, something that I enjoy, but I mean, there's uh, there's hardly any because I love all types of movies, that's the problem. I love mm. all genres, all types of movies, all all decades, all different types. I mean, it would have to be something light and enjoyable, you know, like Monty Python and the Holy Grail, Spinal Tap, or, you know, something like that, or Princess yeah. Bride, something, something fun. Ah, Princess Bride, that's... Uh, I'm Life Aquatic with Steve Zissou, or, or pretty much anything Wes Anderson I could watch on a daily basis and put my mind in a different place. I don't think I uh, could watch anything on a daily basis. That's... Uh... That's our different generation. <laughs> <laughs> that is because my my wife is your guy's generation and and she uh she's younger than me and she just said she just loves these movies and i go why and she goes because we get them for a dollar at the walmart bin and then watch them over and over and over again and i go you didn't care that they were good and i go we didn't care that they were good or bad or whatever we just we just had them, you know what I mean? What I love about repeat viewing is that even the worst movie, if you watch it four or five times and get to know it like a best friend, you could start to appreciate those little quirks a little bit more that, you know. That's a flip side of that coin. Or it gets worse and worse and worse. Like, what's the worst that can happen? Or District 51. Right, I'm, I'll stop there. I'll stop okay. there. Yeah, 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 yeah. I saw that you 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 taught uh, comedy and we, we asked our guests whatever field they're in acting or whatever part of the crew if they could offer advice to uh, aspiring filmmakers in that field I, i'm assuming you are extremely well versed in comedy you're definitely experienced uh wondering if you had any uh advice for um, people that were getting into that actors specifically getting into that genre i would just say that if you're getting into comedy study all types of comedy from you know charlie chaplin to you know awkward comedies physical comedies silly comedies um all uh, intellectual comedies, fast-paced comedies, all types, awkward comedies like The Office. You know what I mean? Like, mm -hmm. there's so many different types of comedies. Doing The Office is going to be a lot different than doing Veep. You know, uh, so yeah. you got to know the difference. You got to know single camera. You got to know multi-camera. You got to know, you know, all the different types. And uh, 
study it all. Listen, I want to tell you, thank you, man. You didn't have to reach out, and I, we you did this like on we, you opened up your schedule for us, and we really appreciate it because yeah. it's people like you we grew up on, and you're still in the industry, and we we wish you nothing but the best, man. Seriously. Thank yeah, you thank you so time. much, Sean. Yes, I appreciate it. Great Have day, a great. Man. You too. Thank you. Thank, thank you. you. Bye bye. bye.